Hello, hello, hello. It is Wednesday night. So you know what that means. It is time for another edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast with myself, Justin LeVar, and Alfred Kunawa. Alfred, we missed you last week. Good to see you. Great to be back. Uh, not a moment too soon because this is going to be a very fun show to talk about. But uh, yes, I was out with the great Brian Wall of the Wrestling Inc. family. We have to be booked uh, on the Attitude Lounge in Beverly Hills. We had a good time, but uh, very fun to be back talking wrestling. It was fun talking wrestling last week with Brian, even though I wasn't on the show. And it's fun to be here with you, Justin. That's awesome. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've mentioned it before, but for any uh, buddies missed in the past, or maybe you're a new uh, subscriber, new viewer, new listener, Alfred has his. Uh, he's, got, he's got Alfred's got a lot of side hustles, honestly. But one of them is a stand up stand up comedian. So go on, uh, Alfred. You still have the website, right? You can check out absolutely alfredkenwood.com. Just check me out. Tour dates, all the stuff is up there. Awesome. So Alfred, a man of many talents, and tonight's talent, he's going to flex. This is wrestling punditry, as we talk about AEW Dynamite, amongst many other things. A very uh, topical Dynamite, whether you liked it, didn't like it, land somewhere in the middle, you can't deny that it was newsworthy. There was there was a lot going on. Uh, dare I say, actually, the, the booking of Dynamite had a lot of um, uh, old, like, Attitude era kind of WWE feel in terms of like long open like a lot of promos, a lot of yeah. a lot of a lot of soap opera going on. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about it all, but entertaining. Again, we can all we can weigh the uh, weigh the pros and cons of what they did here, but we'll 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 get into all of that here in a few minutes. Of course, big shout out to our wonderful sponsors at Manscape. We'll give a little bit of uh, more information about them here soon. Uh, Alfred, before we get into Dynamite, let's talk about a couple news headlines that people can read at WrestlingInc.com. Let's actually start with NXT. They did a record low viewership and key demo rating, but of course the key here being they are on sci-fi just as Monday Night Raw is, of course, USA uh, being occupied right now with Olympic coverage. But uh, 400,000 viewers was what they drew this past uh, Tuesday, yesterday. On sci-fi, that's down 35% from the 619,000 that they did the week prior on USA. Uh, the uh, demo was a 0.07 rating in that 18 to 49 demo. That's down 46%. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, not nothing good to read, but, I mean, really... Uh, you know, and, and, and NXT, you know, Raw took a big, Raw had its lowest numbers ever. And again, it's on sci-fi and Raw's been around for, for 25 plus years. I did not expect much from NXT 2.0 when having to change the channel to find them. Yeah, that was like the Grim Reaper reading about Raw's rating. You're just thinking about NXT, which lost a big chunk of its audience since that revamp. And I'm just thinking this is exactly what I expected them to do around 400, if not lower than this number. So, you know, this is a kind of a cold NXT product. They are trying. There are a couple of projects that I'm pretty excited about. But for the most part, it has not been well received. And to have that show in that circumstance, it should have expected to do the lowest number ever. But with Vengeance Day, I expect it to have really probably one of its bigger jumps ever because it's such a low number and because these TV specials for NXT always end up overperforming. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, the, the specials do tend to overperform, so uh, we'll see what the bounce back is there. But uh, how long? Well, I guess the Olympics go till February 20th. So we, we at least have, what, one more week, right, of yes. them on sci-fi. So a, a little over, yeah. I think they're going to do one more show on sci-fi. Yeah, for 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 each for Raw and for NXT. So the whole, yeah. so next week, um, yeah. And, and I said this to Raj, um, you know, Monday night after Raw. I don't know if it, I don't know about if you have maybe a different cable system or if you're streaming or how you, how you're watching. But I can say this for Raw and same thing with NXT. The DVR was not smart enough. It did not switch over and and, and still record Raw and NXT on 
sci-fi. I had to manually go in and tell it to do it. So I imagine, again, just, just thinking about what a lot of people might have had to deal with, um, you know, if you're somebody who watches the shows on DVR or, or whatever, you know, that, that didn't happen. So you had to really be paying attention to social media and online to know that they were switching to sci-fi this week. Yeah, well, shout out to Sling TV, which is what I use. So this is pretty good advertisement for them. I've seen this with AEW on TBS, switching channels. And then with Raw and NXT, I got them all because it just goes by the name of the show. It does mm-hmm. not go by the network it's on. So it'll record new episodes of Raw wherever it is when it senses it. So it's really good technology there. Very good with Sling. Shout out to Sling. All right. Uh, not a shout out to uh, Steve-O. Uh, this famed uh, crazy man from Jackass. Of course, Jackass has been a real intertwined right now with WWE. Of course, they had Johnny Knoxville in the Rumble, and they have the brand new Jackass movie that's out. Um, so Jackass star Steve-O, he apparently, he was a- among the Jackass cast, master that, cast members that traveled to St. Louis uh, with Johnny Knoxville, who was advertised in the Rumble, but you might notice Steve-O did not appear anywhere on Rumble when, when the guys came out. That turns out because he got to the arena, got to St. Louis, and he tested positive uh, for COVID. Of course, WWE still does have you know COVID protocols uh, in place and testing and such, and he tested positive. Um, what I find kind of crazy about this is that as we're reading the story here on Wrestling Inc., apparently the Jackass cast flew on a private plane to St. Louis alongside ronda rousey so it was they they all chartered this private flight and you have ronda rousey who was the big surprise entrant for the women's rumble and i'm reading this and all i can think is oh my god like what if he tested positive and then she would have tested positive like what would they have done i mean you know uh no disrespect to melina or (laughs) kelly kelly or whatever but they just aren't going to do it at number 30 the way that Ronda Rousey is. Michelle McCool's headlining WrestleMania. That's what would be happening. <laughs> Michelle McCool. Here's the audible. So uh, Ronda gets positive because of Steve-O from Jackass, which what a sentence, <laughs> what a sentence that is. The baddest woman on earth. You know, gets, uh, so they got to call an audible. So now all of a sudden Michelle McCool wins the Rumble and somehow we get Michelle McCool and The Undertaker in a mixed tag match at, at oh. WrestleMania. <laughs> it couple, great couple, whatever they, the dead couple. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, that's, yeah. that's interesting. They, they potentially they seem to have avoided a really big catastrophe here because of all events for somebody to get COVID. The worst you could think of is the Royal Rumble because that could go from Ronda to all the women in the Royal Rumble to some of the men in the Royal Rumble because there are couples and stuff like that and to the entire locker room. So clearly, this didn't really uh, tear across the locker room the way it could have. And I think WWE should be thinking it's lucky stars. Well, yeah, because like the thing is, like the men's, you know, you have, you know, they always seem like they have extra people. You know, like I mean, Kurt Angle was in town. Like the men's, you you have a, you, you can. There's always seems like there's extra people, right? I mean, you know, but the, but the women, they don't have as deep of a history, obviously. So that's why when they want to pull out a women's rumble, like they do here, you know, there is these surprises or blasts from the past, but only because they weren't portrayed. You know, they were portrayed a lot of them in brawn panty matches or two or three minutes they don't have that you know it's fun to see them fun to hear the music whatever but they don't have you know what the women's depth just isn't what it is you know they don't have the um you know number of years in history that WWE does with the men so you know you can deal with somebody you can deal with audibles for the men but for the women like this is your big deal this is ronda who's yes. coming back to main event wrestlemania so that's that's all, all i can think when i'm reading the story and then i'm like all right if they know that she traveled with with with, with steve-o and crew if steve-o gets tested first do you then all of a sudden forget to test Rhonda? I think so. In this carny business, I absolutely think so. 
Uh, do you forget to test Johnny Knoxville so you can still have that spot? Like, yeah, I'm sure he's fine. Come on, we'll do it later, and everybody will be fine. We'll do it live. I'm sure the Jackass crew had masks on and socially distanced. Yeah, so yeah, of all people to adhere to the health standards in this country, the Jackass <laughs> crew are definitely at the top of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, well, finally, a last news headline. We'll kind of tie it into going into Dynamite. We're going to go a little out of order tonight for Dynamite. I figured that was probably best for business. As a wise man once said. Uh, so let's talk about one of the big things going into tonight's dynamite was surprises. You know, Tony Khan even used the, you know, only a handful of people knew this big surprise, big name, uh, Forbidden Door, all this thing getting thrown out there. You know, it, it's advertised there's going to be an Isaiah Cassidy uh, match against a mystery opponent. Of course, the uh, winner's going to uh, qualify for the uh, ladder match at, at Revolution. And so that's. That's where we're at. That's that. That's what we're looking for. A lot of speculation, a lot of rumors of different names, and it gets to be revealed as limitless Keith Lee. Huge pop from the crowd. Of course, Keith Lee, uh, you know, no longer with WWE. You know, he had a great run in NXT. Went to WWE, uh, changed his music, changed his ring attire, called on the Bearcat. Then they fired him. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> a lot here, uh, but and there was a lot of speculation. Keith Lee was certainly one of the front runners of names being rumored and again you can read about that on wrestling inc and uh it's been a big week for lee lee actually got married to mia yim this past weekend so this is probably one of the biggest weeks of his life both personally and professionally congrats uh to both of them uh but keith lee alfred uh first off with all the ballyhoo going into there's a a new signee did keith lee live up to that hype uh, pardon my Swahili, but I fucking love this. Yes, he lived up to this hype for me. Uh, I know in name value, people are now going to dissect this because of how much hype was put behind this. Uh, Tony Khan said this was going to be a signing to the Forbidden Door. I think a lot of people, the majority of people would have told you it's going to be Keith Lee. So as a name value, I think it's fine, but people may have expected bigger. That's always going to happen based on Tony Khan being enthusiastic about his signings. We've seen this done in the past. Having said that, if you look at this segment in a box, this man came off like one of the biggest, if not the biggest star in professional wrestling. He looked like a get the way this whole thing was produced from Jim Ross. Like it reminded me of when Queen Elizabeth debuted on WWF and Jim Ross or not Jim Ross. It was Vince McMahon just marveled in this like delicate, like, oh, my God, look at this beautiful. That was the tone that Jim Ross was using. Like he was legitimately taken aback. So I can't really wait for Jim Ross to call Keith Lee matches. I think they did a good job with it. And another thing I liked is that you saw the debut of Jay White right before this. So it was implied that maybe that's the guy who's walking through this literal forbidden door, contracted with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe that's the guy. So it was an even bigger element of surprise when it actually ended up being Keith Lee in addition. So all of those sums together, I think this whole thing lived past the hype. It was kind of cool, I'll say, in the whole night, as we'll talk about more of it. Was, they, they did leave several openings. You, of course, know there's going to be some surprise here because the opponents, the mystery opponents, the silhouette. Uh, but then earlier in the night, CM Punk needs to find a partner. So they're like, okay, well, that could, So they did do a nice job trying to keep you on your toes of not knowing necessarily how many surprises there would be and, 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 when, and where, when and where they would be. So I, I do appreciate that. This was Keith Lee's second biggest pop behind the Rumble appearance uh, in 2020. Uh, when he has the stare down with Brock, this was the yes. next biggest, uh, in a great crowd, by the way, tonight they were, they were in Atlantic city, uh, a, a former site of WrestleMania four and five, uh, for, for a little trivia there. Um, I think Keith Lee's a good sign. I think he, he improved your roster. I think, you know, there is not others like Keith Lee there. Okay. He's a big guy, but of course he, he you know, I've always appreciated the Bam and Bigelow's the Vaders, the big guys who can, 
who, when they want to, can do things uh, that big guys shouldn't be able to do. And Keith Lee put that on display tonight. And he also put the power on display. I think Keith Lee's a good signing. Uh, I, I think to the I think I think to the, the biggest critiques is the yeah, the Tony Khan. He's so enthusiastic that he sometimes is too close to it. He can't step away and like kind of fairly evaluate what's going to be perceived by the general masses, not the most hardcore fans, but just the general masses, you know, like, you know, there, we had wrestling naked stories of only a handful of people know this big surprise. There needs to be a fair evaluation of what's a big surprise. What's a, yeah, it's good to have them. Keith Lee fell in the middle. He certainly is more than, uh, it's good to have them, but like big surprise, big, like potentially altering the business, getting CM Punk back after seven years, that's a big surprise. Getting Brian Danielson, who just six months earlier main evented wrestle, you know, was in WrestleMania. That's that's a bit, you know. But like, I think you know, I, we have to watch and make sure Tony doesn't start Dixie in us, as in Dixie Carter. <laughs> yeah, but that's a fair criticism. You know? I, I get you on that. But I will say that I don't want him to stop being enthusiastic. I do think that that's one of the things that kind of is creating his own cult of personality by being kind of the younger, enthusiastic guy who you always, you're right, you don't want to overpromise and whatnot, but I do think AEW has over-delivered more times than overpromised. We do remember the times, like, you can argue Christian was an underwhelming debut. Keith Lee, based on people, Tony Khan saying this is going to be big news and maybe it is going to be big, uh, bigger than Keith Lee, like a Jeff Hardy or something like that, or a massive uh, crossover star. Yeah, maybe you could definitely be disappointed, but I don't want that to take away from the spirit of AEW promoting these stars. Uh, I just think that enough people thought it was going to be Keith Lee. This really wasn't that. I've calibrated enough to where between the rumors of him debuting imminently and uh, him being promoted as quote-unquote forbidden door, I really was not surprised that it was Keith Lee. And I think that added to me not being disappointed. Yeah, look, and I realize what I'm saying. I realize, like, okay, what's the flip side? The flip side is, okay, either Tony Khan doesn't do media, which we've said. We do appreciate appreciate the fact that he's as accessible as he is. Um at least so far that might change as things grow and things get busier like so i get i get it if he's doing media well what's he gonna what's he gonna do just mumble and downplay yeah. you know I, so, I mean i so i understand you're gonna want to promote and promote art i just i think it's just something that's always gonna be up for debate of okay is this gonna be a big as big of a surprise as tony Khan saying or is it just uh, but you know it is something to say that he was widely speculated keith lee he was one of the front runners and he did still get the pop that he got let's see now what happens over the next three weeks next three months uh, seven clown dollar ninety nine. Come on, what an AEW cheerleader! Hashtag fact. Uh, I'm guessing that's going to you, Alfred. Um, I'm a Keith Lee cheerleader, is what I am. He looked more like Bearcat Wright than he did when they were telling me he's a Bearcat and putting him in baggy trunks and a tank top. I really loved the, the demonstration of Keith Lee, and really, they just the the way to book Keith Lee is in his catchphrase. Let him bask in his glory. That's what they did. Yeah. They just step back. They let the guy bask. These people are going crazy. He's got his shirt off. Like, this man is back. I love what they did. They, they, I love that they knew exactly what to do, and that's really not much of it all because he's a really yeah. big star. Well, that is, a, that is a fair point. Well, and then we have Corey Pride here. Corey says, disagree with Justin. Keith Lee is a game changer. Corey, with all due respect, you say <laughs> game changer. Let me just put this in perspective. They, you know, they had a very good build of a CM Punk, a CM freaking Punk, versus their number one heel in MJF. A great build. They had that big match. Uh, first time ever. I mean, great false dusty. F- I mean, and that that didn't even. I mean, I don't think they didn't top a million. And I, that would actually shock me. I thought that that would have been maybe one of the best ever. Like so, 
Keith Lee's not going like Keith, again. Keith Lee is good for the roster. When this roster started in 2019, when Dynamite started, I should say, you know, they had what they had to pick from. They had some really highs in the Young Bucks and Chris Jericho. You know, then they had some guys like like Joey Janela, who has his own fan base, but you know, where is he now? Like, I mean, they they also had some guys and girls who was just they had what they had, and now as 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 more people have gotten released from WWE at, a, at an accelerated pace, and now as AEW has more credibility, their roster is getting better and better and better every month. And then they are having to filter out the guys and girls who just aren't cutting it or aren't the same value. Like, so Keith Lee is definitely better for the roster, but like, I'm very, very, very particular about the term game changer. So, yeah. like, let's just watch it. That, that's just what I'm saying. Like, that, you know, when I hear big signing, I'm expecting game changer. I don't think Keith Lee is that. I think he is a. It makes sense to pick it. You sign Keith Lee. Yeah, there's probably some AEW originals around 2019. If their contracts are coming up, yeah, you're going to let a couple of them go so you can give that TV and match time and money to Keith Lee. Um, yeah, I will say Keith Lee is of the zeitgeist of the internet wrestling community where he's not going to bring in too many people who aren't already watching AEW. Uh, so I wouldn't say like a day one needle-moving game changer, somebody like maybe either a Jeff Hardy or even a Bray Wyatt who can bring new fans over. Uh, but I think it'll be on AEW to develop him into that. So, like you said, and the follow-up is going to be key here. Yeah, I mean, and look, he's he's he he's different. He's diverse, uh, not just because he's a black, uh, you know, black talent getting you know getting a huge fanfare of a debut. But again, like I said, he's a he's a guy who he's a big guy that looks the way he does who should not be able to do some of the things he does. So, like yeah. again, he adds to the roster. He is not just another. You know, people. I've heard some people say, "Oh, Johnny Gargano shouldn't go to AEW because they already have enough Johnny Garganos." And there's an argument there, depending on how you view things and what your appetite is for pro wrestling. But like, there is not another Keith Lee there. So like, that's what I mean. This is he he has a spot in the roster, and that's great. Um, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. I just I think everybody's going to debate again. Going back to the original point, um, how much hype should any of these guys have? You know, look look, Sting had no hype. Nobody knew Sting was coming at all, and I think that still is one of the best debuts ever, just because just on the sheer surprise, shock, and all factor um, that when he showed up, uh, when he did. All right. Uh, again, we love all of you guys. I love the live chat room going on here. We appreciate everybody watching live on YouTube and Twitch. We love everybody who's also checking out the audio version of the podcast after the fact. All presented to you by Manscaped. Because, look, ro- roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let the wild pubes wreck you. We are just days away. Tick-tock, tick-tock, Karrion Cross would say. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you. That's right. You got that date to circle on the calendar gentlemen all right we don't have time for any 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 no excuses play like a champion all right get ready to join the four million men worldwide who trust manscape two of them are right here manscape has the tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion valentine's day of course coming up they have the wonderful performance package 4.0 i can absolutely attest to all of these items have them all love them all the number one product in the package is the lawnmower 4.0 the electric trimmer design uh, to trim hair, and uh, it's got the advanced skin-safe technology. Helps reduce cuts and nicks. We do not need to be having color like Hangman Page and Lance Archer are going to get. Don't want any of that. Four thousand K LED spotlight on it, so you've got plenty of uh, you know, plenty of, uh, of 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 clarity. You can shave anywhere your heart desires. Got plenty of light there, and it's also waterproof. Works well for the shower. And I like to propose this Sunday, February thirteenth. Yes, it's a Super Bowl, but it's also National Shave Your Balls Day. Do not sleep on shaving your balls on Sunday, so that way you're ready to be in the game on Monday. And, of course, beyond the uh, uh, the, the lawnmower, they, of course, have the brief, the boxer briefs. They have the tra- the shaving kit. 
They have the crop reviver. Um, they have they have the, the shampoo, the body wash. They literally can transform your entire bathroom game so you are clean and smelling good. Manscaped. And again, if you use the code WINC20, you're going to save 20% plus get free shipping at manscaped.com. Alfred, I know you're ready. You got your manscaping. Sunday, National Shaver Balls Day. Shaver Balls Day, the right kind of balls to shave. I can't wait. Five days away. I really love that Manscaped overlay. I will be watching the Super Bowl on Sling. And I'm thinking that, you know, putting over Sling earlier, Sling and Manscaped sounds like it could be a good partnership for this podcast in terms of promoting those at the same time. I think there's a lot we can do with that. Look at you. Look at you. All right. So WINC20, save 20% free shipping at manscaped.com. We thank them, as always, for the wonderful support of this podcast each and every single week with Alfred and I. All right. So let's uh, let's get back into Dynamite. Let's move back to uh, the start of the show. Of course, like I said, at Atlantic City, uh, sites uh, of WrestleMania 4 and 5. Uh, good-looking crowd, good-looking stage. I, I like the look. I like the feel. I had a big-night feel for it. And we started out with Wardlow coming out. No music. He's just out in a suit bringing out cardboard cutouts of MJF beating cm punk in chicago he gives an introduction for justin roberts to so uh nonchalantly read uh he introduces uh ftr introduces sean spears and then out comes mjf on a throne it's champagne confetti and girls mjf makes out with a uh, redhead in the process of the entrance uh you know he of course touts uh beating punk twice in the night all the normal stuff here comes cm punk he interrupts uh, and he says he's not a dummy he's not going to be uh coming alone he's not going to get uh, outnumbered and beat up by everybody in the ring so he brings out darby and sting loaded with baseball bats they want blood they're ready to go cm punk wants a rematch with Wardlow. he doesn't even care about mjf because he knows mjf is just cheated to win he wants one with Wardlow, who he clearly has far more respect for uh but in the end mjf says that if punk can find uh new partners can't be darby can't be sting if punk could find a partner to go up against ftr tonight and if by some chance he could beat ftr tonight then mjf will give punk a rematch so that's kind of the cliffhanger here to hang on is okay we got all this talk of surprises what's who's going to be where who's showing up and punk needs to find uh, a partner uh, again as i said earlier a very old school kind of attitude error opening type segment not one that we normally get from dynamite yeah and i was the, i would say it's the best version of the type of opening segment we saw i know this was very wwe ish in terms of opening with this long talking segment uh, but my problem isn't with the talking segment it's the quality of it when it comes to raw when it comes to the wwe formula and as long as it's good and they're able to establish some talking points that will play out over the next several months which they did in this segment i thought this was a home run i thought this was fine i have no problem with talking segments as long as they're good and we saw another one good one that i liked uh, later on tonight so i thought they did everything right with they really set things up for Wardlow in terms of still being on a top as a top babyface, and i was afraid that they were going to shelve that again after last week but they're going in the right direction and the people are with Wardlow. and i really like the idea of cm punk uh, earning the opportunity potentially we'll see uh anytime anywhere he gets to challenge mjf i think that's going to play out really well over the next several months yeah, uh, M. Neko one asking Justin, what do you think Wardlow turns on MJF? Um, what do you see as long term plan? I don't know when he's going to turn. They've they've actually, you know, they teased a few times over the past year, year and a half of there being some issues. They obviously moved off of it. Now this truly does seem like the one of when he's going to, you know, uh, eventually break. It's coming sooner rather than later. I, I I am a little surprised. I think we all were that they didn't they did not do it in Cleveland, which is uh, Wardlow's uh, hometown. You know, they didn't pull the trigger there, so they're they're dragging this one out. But obviously. You know, MJF is going to have another match against CM Punk, so there's opportunity there. Um, MJF could eventually have a world title match. There's opportunity there. 
Um, so it's there. It's coming sooner rather than later. I think before, by the time we get to, you know, they usually have a, what double or nothing in May. I think by the time we get to there, uh, we probably that that's probably your feature match. I would think would be a Wardlow and MGF by that point. If I had to, uh, if I had to book it right now, uh, she black dollar ninety nine. Thank you, she black. Uh, Wyatt Hardy and Cross to AEW confirmed. Well, I, I mean, I think Jeff Hardy is inevitable. You know, he's not Capicos until March 9th. He and Matt already have some appearances and bookings um, taking place. I mean, that just that's that just seems inevitable. I don't you know what else is he going to do? You know, the, the Hardy Boys in that tag division. I mean, quite frankly, I'm sorry if you're Private Party and Butcher and Blade and whoever else who's in the Hardy family office. The moment Jeff Hardy shows up, you might as well just all you just disband that thing because yeah. nobody's going to care. No, no disrespect to those guys, but I'm just calling it like it is. Nobody's going to care to see Money Matt doing that gimmick why, you know, with those guys, which quite frankly, it's, just, it's really a random assortment, uh, quite honestly, uh, when everybody's going to see him and Jeff. So yeah. I think that's inevitable. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of think Wyatt Wyndham eventually, I think that's one we're all waiting for. Um, you know, maybe he's doing other projects. Cross has already got some other stuff lined up. He's advertised for stuff all the way through Mania weekend, I believe. So, not that he couldn't still do that and work for AEW, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know when we see them, Alfred. But I think Hardy, absolutely. Yeah, I think Hardy is most likely just based on his link to Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was having a lot of fun with fans saying that maybe Tony Khan bought out Jeff Hardy's contract, which I didn't expect. But uh, I think it'll be good to see the Hardy Boys reunited in AEW as long as Jeff Hardy has everything under control, which you always hope for with him. And uh, I'd look forward. I think that's the next, maybe you can call it a while. You know, that would be a game changer to a degree. Jeff Hardy's one of those guys, if you choose to make him into a star that he is, people will go with it. And even if you beat him, people will still remain behind Jeff Hardy. So he could definitely be either a tag team or a single superstar as long as he stays consistent. Uh, so I want to bring up uh, several people have just brought this to my attention real quick. Going back to Tony Khan and and, and uh, you know I- I- Issa, uh, she had brought this up as well. Just uh, you know, so I want to get to this since it's kind of like breaking. So five minutes ago, Tony Khan tweeted this. He goes, "I didn't secure Jay White until Sunday. I realized after the fact that Friday night I butchered my own definition of Forbidden Door and hyping tonight. I heard the fans' <laughs> feedback and God. wanted to ensure that tonight was a special AEW Dynamite for all. Thank you for everyone who watched. So okay, good for that. him. And you know, Issa and I shout out to Issa." That's my people's. And we talked about this last night of the definition of Forbidden Door, how it has been bastardized. And I do sympathize with this. Tony Khan does not have to continue to placate. You are the promoter. You need to define Forbidden Door if it needs to expand. Yes, Keith Lee going through the Forbidden Door and leaving his prior employer behind can be considered a Forbidden Door. Let's not get caught up in the semantics. But, hey, good on him for doing right by the fans. But there's an old saying, you keep listening to the fans, one day you'll be sitting with them. And there's times <laughs> to do that, but this is a little getting into the weeds in terms of, well, what is the forbidden door? It's your terminology. You came up with the word, so you can add to this term for scripted pro wrestling sport. <laughs> I love that quote about the fan. You know, it makes me think of, uh, you know, I was thinking a lot about Moneyball today because uh, rest in peace, uh, Jeremy Giambi passing away. Yeah. I think about that scene <laughs> when uh, Billy, in the movie at least, when Billy Bean and, and his one coach goes to Scott Hatterberg's house. <laughs> And, and they want him to switch from catcher to first base. And he's like, well, what about the fans? And then the coach's like, yeah, maybe one of the fans can play first base. <laughs> That's a great, uh, great line. You being a you know, you, Bay Area, California, close enough for you. I figured it's an Oakland A's reference. Is, uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's appropriate to make. Uh, $5. Great look. 
yeah, it's all great. I very much enjoy Moneyball. Uh, Israel uh, V, I uh, didn't want to butcher the last name there, uh, Vakera. Maybe I just did. Uh, $5 any which way. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Justin, for being a reasonable wrestling fan and admitting Keith Lee is a mid-card wrestler. Too many crazy AEW fans nowadays. Well, again, let me just start. Well, let me clarify. Again, I, I'm not Keith Lee might ascend to be in the main event of AEW. He was only a mid-card wrestler in uh, in W. Well, I mean, he was a star in NXT. Once he got to Raw and SmackDown, he was a mid-card for the brief time and very uh, in, incoherent time. I mean, they... they 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 messed with everything with him live week to week, and then he was injured or he was I think sick for a while. So you know it didn't. That's not a fair. He could ascend to the main event in AEW. What I'm saying, what I mean, if you want to say that I'm saying that he's a mid carder, what I'm saying is that's what he's been up to this point. You know, it's not again. It's not like a CM Punk or you know who wrestled an Undertaker at WrestleMania and did all the things that CM Punk did. It's not a Brian Danielson who. You know, has been in several WrestleManias. You know, it's just it's like, what have they done? Who are they in the grand scheme of things? So yeah, Israel, I'm trying to keep that in perspective. But you know, again, as I said, he's he is diverse. He's different. The fans responded to him big. Now let me hear these. Let me hear these pops continue. You got a great pop tonight because it's a surprise. Let me hear these pops sustain. If these pops and reactions sustain, and people are singing "Bask in His Glory" before he's even done a move. And and if, if if what's happened tonight is a sign of what's going to happen with regularity, I, I think very it's very possible within the next twelve months he is in whether it's TNT or World Title he's in a t, he's in a title picture. I think very you know that's very possible. Um, so yeah, and I think it's very likely that these are going to continue. This is going to be up to AEW of supplying Keith Lee, building him up as a character, letting him talk, letting him talk, cut promos. And I would say in terms of what we're talking about, needle movers and game changers and whatnot, the day one game changer, there's only a few people. Maybe you can count them on one hand like that in wrestling present day who can go to AEW and who are in consideration to go to AEW and make that one day one impact. Okay, Keith Lee is somebody with the potential to do that. And I think that's going to be incumbent on AEW. But like, I don't agree that he's uh, one of these maybe at the upper, upper crust of wrestling, like the top five, quote unquote, needle movers or game changers. But this is a story in terms of the potential that he could have in AEW. Sure. Absolutely agree with that statement. Uh, another uh, super chat coming in. We appreciate it from James. Uh, James Z, $5. Wardlow wins the TNT champ and MJF demands he gives it to him. And Wardlow pulls a Batista on MJF. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of... I've seen a lot of calls and references to the Batista evolution days of of, of when and how the split will eventually come. So, uh, yeah, James, I, I think that's an idea. Certainly, I mean, the fact that MJF has this contract. Well, here's what I, I again. I think I, I think I pitched something like this once, like a month ago, and I'm still going to stick by something like this. Punk wants another match with Wardlow. You know, he he, he has a, we can hear respect in, in Punk's voice to Wardlow, and that Wardlow took him, you know, to the limit that he did. I still think what a great situation it is if Punk gets a rematch with Wardlow and Punk says, like, I'm, I'm going to get, like, like, somehow we work Punk into getting Wardlow's freedom. That somehow Punk fights for getting Wardlow's contractual freedom. And there's this dynamic here of, like, I don't know, I, I, I still can't get over that. The fact that MJF has it, you know, and that anything Wardlow does is supposed to de facto come to MJF, albeit in titles. I just think there's something there of, of CM Punk helping get that freedom. CM Punk, the ultimate enemy of MJF. Um, I don't know, I just, I yeah, there's... and that was kind of hinted toward in terms. Of, I think that would be a good direction to go based on the segment tonight between Wardlow and CM Punk. There was respect there where CM Punk doesn't want to rematch against MJF, he wants to rematch against Wardlow, and he's admitting that Wardlow's a guy who's helping all of them, so he is sympathizing with Wardlow. So that would be in line with that storytelling, yeah. 
Yeah, so we'll see how it plays out. And we got more uh, CM Punk here that we'll get to in a few moments. Uh, we do see a backstage Andrade. He gets his meeting. He's been one with Darby Allen. He wants he wants uh, Darby Allen to work for him. And Darby said he's got more important things to be doing. Uh, they both make it known that they both want the TNT title. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see that Andrade, man. What? Okay, we, we want to talk about surprises and people coming over. This has been very underwhelming. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's battling injury i don't i don't know what what the what's been the disconnect what, what the plan was if there was a plan but it has been very underwhelming so far his his time in wb yeah it has or, been in AEW. I, uh, yeah his time in aw has really been very underwhelming i think sadly enough this might be among the most entertaining things he's done in aw if it's not because ironically interacting with tony Schiavone, he calls darby allen the little kid uh, and so this is on the more memorable side of the things he's done. So hopefully he's able to ride any semblance of momentum he's getting out of this. But yeah, very. I'm not surprised because when it was being discussed on my YouTube channel, Pro Wrestling Bits, I did write a piece saying that I don't think he should go to AW. I didn't think he'd be quite uh, the fit. I thought that he'd be better in terms of going around the country. He wrestled a banger of the match against Kevin Omega. And you can't just give Kenny Omega that type of credit. Uh, and it was a great match in AAA. And I just think that uh, him going to AEW never felt like it was going to be a good fit. Jeff Lopez. Oh man, Dustin <laughs> looks like a ten-year-old who just got into wrestling. I <laughs> look like it, or I, I, or do I sound like it? Why? Maybe say the belts. I don't know. Like what? For the for the yes. record, I actually say I'm not a belt collector. Like I have a couple belts. That they every single belt I have has actually been gifted to me. I've never spent a dime on a belt, and that's a true story. Awesome. Uh, so I just so I mean I, I don't complain about the very nice gifts that I've gotten and, or the way I've gotten them, but I, so I just use them now as as props because I'm not a guy that wears a belt to Walmart and proclaims to be a champion of anything. Yeah, the only uh, belt uh, I've <laughs> ever had, I didn't buy it, but it was a fantasy football championship belt uh, from 2019. Well, that's a, well, that's okay. I mean, that, that that's got like a fun theme to it because like you get yeah. fantasy <laughs> fantasy football and you can tell you're the champion. Like I, I mean, I always laugh at like I mean, it's one thing to be a belt collector and like. You know, like, like Conrad, obviously, you know, like if you're a belt collector and you're really that, that that's great. That's, you know, if you know, preserve them, take care of them, put them in a case. Again, I always laugh at the guys who like, like I said, wear like they wear yeah. them to like out in public. Like, I mean, you you go to a Walmart in some places and you yeah. see a dude wearing a WWE replica belt. I see and, some of those on that website, people of Walmart. I've seen people with WWE belts. In right. The- <laughs> It's like, brother, who did you beat in self-checkout to make you think that you're going to be a world champion? Yeah, they always had that swagger. Like, they actually did win it. I've seen it at events. Oh, love it, love it, love it. All right, uh, up next, Wardlow is back out. Uh, A little bit of Superman stuff. He jumped into the phone booth and was out of the suit and into the into the spandex warlow up against the blade uh this was not a quick warlow one this even and the fact uh, goes in through commercial so you know warlow has to sell a little bit to blade uh, but ultimately warlow's gonna end up hitting the powerbomb symphony i think five powerbombs was the count tonight and then after the match of course sean spears getting his chairs uh in uh in there to just aggravate warlow so more of the same but i'll tell you what uh, you know, if, again, with the depth of talent they have that they can put on these shows, they are making a point to put Wardlow out there every single week. So um, I, I have to believe they have a date circled somewhere and they are working backwards, booking backwards, as you should, of what they need to have accomplished by the time they get to said circled date. So we'll yeah. keep our eye on that. Wardlow was the big star, I think, tonight in terms of AEW getting behind him. It worked in the opening segment, and then when he came out and did this, they were chanting Wardlow the same way they do Goldberg. 
And I felt like this match went way too long. He was selling way too much, um, doing these suplexes, kind of like Brock Lesnar. But they came alive for the power bombs. I thought, uh, this is great. And it's just simple. As much as AEW and its fan base wants to pride itself on professional wrestling, which is its own thing in terms of work rate and whatnot, what's working a lot for AEW are the old school tactics of 80s pro wrestling, where it's the big guy, you don't overexpose them, you have them do something really well, really explosive. It's big woman and Jay Cargill, who might be a top five ratings mover in terms of the numbers every single week and it's the simplified uh, professional wrestling jeff lopez jeff lopez uh clarifying justin on plane <laughs> it's the blue polo oh, it'll look pretty good i don't know blue polo that's a fire polo under armor shout out to under armor well, my, uh, raj and i've been trying to get under armor on the yeah <laughs> on the hook for a while uh all right keeping it going um it's the blue. It brings out the eyes. All right. Up next, Jericho. Mandatory attendance, Alfred. Inner circle. Got to have a meeting. Got to have a come to come to Jesus meeting. What's going on here, fellas? Jericho Hager and Sammy are out. Inner circle vests and all. Santana and Ortiz, they come out separately. And Santana and Ortiz getting a, a big promo here. They're basically saying, Chris Jericho, you only care about Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, you, you, you run down Eddie Kingston. He's done more for us than you ever have. Uh, Jericho says he got the wrong members of LAX. That touched the nerve. <laughs> then Sammy grabs a mic, and Sammy says, all this bickering isn't helping me get to my goals, which is to be the best. So until you guys figure this stuff out, I'm I'm out. So he he walks. So now it leaves Santana Ortiz, and they challenge the remaining two guys in the ring, and that's Jericho and Jake Hager, uh, for a match next week. Uh, Jericho very heelish in the promo. Um, you know, the way he ran down Santana Ortiz, um, this kind of feels in the position that they are looking at a Jericho heel turn. And I, and I'd be honest just by the way this felt, I think this match is going to be a, you know, ring the bell, ding, ding, ding. I think Jake Hager's turning on Jericho. I think, I think everybody's abandoning Chris Jericho. That's how I kind of felt after this segment. Uh, Alfred, what say you? Yeah, I thought Jericho came off as a big heel calling himself. The influencer does not sound like a baby face line. That word right. has a lot of baggage and negativity with it. And he immediately got booed by this crowd by saying this. I thought this was crazy to say and see, but Santana watched Chris Jericho in this promo. Santana was a big star coming out of this segment. I felt like he got the crowd to sympathize with him. I felt like that may have been the goal of this segment. But if you compare these promos in this exchange, and this was a fantastic segment in terms of what they did. I thought Santana was unbelievable in this. Right down to him looking dead into the camera as Jericho was losing his shit which I thought the segment was great. And I think this is partly Jericho putting over the young up-and-coming guy, but Santana Ortiz don't get too many opportunities like this, much toward what they're saying in their promo. It's also kind of real life in terms of the opportunities they get. And when they gave him the speaking opportunity, I thought he knocked out of the park. I thought Ortiz was very good. And that's what I came away saying. It's like, man, this Santana is a freaking star. Yeah, good call on the extra stuff. Not not even what not even what they were saying, but you're right. What, what Santana and Ortiz were doing, just they felt like they were... They were not going to be punked out verbally yes. by Chris Jericho. They were not going to be intimidated by Chris Jericho verbally. Uh, $5 sacred monkey bone. When will Lana let Miro out of his exile punishment? <laughs> I want Miro versus Keith Lee ASAP. Yeah, Miro won who he's had some really hot. He's had some really great showings at times in AEW. But again, it's kind of like you know, we haven't seen him necessarily with as much consistency. Um, it's a bit. It, it, look, it's a, it's a big roster. It, it is. I mean, it's and, and it's a big roster. And you look at like nights like tonight. The amount of guys and talent that got multiple segments, mm-hmm. you know, CM Punk and FTR and Wardlow and Adam Cole and you know who else? I mean, like you know, so like that doesn't help things either when you're you know trying to get more people on when you have 
And granted, there are all good segments that were that matter, but that doesn't help trying to get everybody on. Yeah, um, even if it is an injury thing with Miro, he was doing some of the best work of his career just doing those backstage segments, which I would imagine he'd be able to do even if he was injured. I mean, I, I think those were fantastic and they just disappeared. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with Miro, I mean, he yeah, when he got into the, you know, Einer God, when he, when he got into the God promos, I mean, yeah, he really, you know, he he's one of the best examples they've had so far of somebody they brought in, you know, that was, you know, had a reputation, you know, or AKA, you know, formerly of WWE. Uh, complete stinker when he came in doing the whole best man thing and then just turned it on after he got out of the thing with uh, which call it blank on his name guy the guy and the girl that they got um, uh, Kip, Kip Sabian Kip, and you. Penelope Ford thank you after he got away from that he he was off and running it was tremendous yeah so uh, Stephen Marcacilli 499 do you see Bray or Cross going back to WWE do they fit more so than AEW well, both of them, I actually could see Bray maybe going back. Uh, but I mean, I, I, from, but from also what we've heard, he seems so creatively just upset with them that he had so many ideas and so many things. And just, I think a lot of things he just didn't like the, of, of their touch or spin on it. So there's that. Uh, I mean, yeah, again, cross fantastic NXT entrance, great NXT run. And then as he's been talking about, he's in a lot of interviews recently. He doesn't know what the, F was going on when he came up in the summer and it was just poorly handled and poorly communicated. So uh, I don't see cross going back anytime. I, I think cross is best. If you're a WWE fan that wants to see carry and cross back on WWE programming, the best thing you can hope for is killer cross goes somewhere else, AEW or wherever, kind of like a Drew McIntyre situation. He goes somewhere else. It lights the world on fire like that and gets him, get some, you know, get some call on him, and he's he's back in a couple of years. You know, we saw it with Drew McIntyre. We saw it with Matt Hardy. We, we see guys go away. You know, they, they refine themselves, they polish themselves, they get themselves over in other places, and that's that's probably the best thing I can I can imagine for Cross as it relates to WWE. Yeah, if I was Karen Cross, in terms of going to WWE, I'd run for my life. I'd never look back. That was just such an ugly period in terms of how he flamed out over there that I don't think he'll ever be able to overcome uh, unless he goes the Drew McIntyre route and, to your point, makes himself a bigger star elsewhere. So I don't see him going to WWE anytime soon. And with Bray Wyatt, it just felt like such a line in the sand was drawn when he was released. I felt like there's personal issues that went behind that just as much as financial issues in the time that we're in. And even though WWE realizes his value they still sell his merchandise i just don't think either side is going to be reconciling anytime soon yeah uh keith two dollars this is a good point I, I part of a little part of me thought about this as i'm watching jericho and i'm writing down notes of i think he's turning heel keith asks would people still sing judas to a heel jericho and i think that they would still sing because AEW is very big on fan interaction the fans would still sing it i think what you'd have to do as part of the heel heat you'd have to deprive them of that oh yeah you have to let the start of the song hit the doon, 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 doon. Let them get all excited. But before Jericho would sing his first note in the song, it record scratches into something else or maybe nothing. Maybe just walks in silence. And while he walked out to booze, that would be the best thing you can do to curtail because, because yeah, the, the, the you know, AEW fans especially see shades of gray. They are fine with cheering the teal if it's something really cool or whatever. So I think that that would be something they'd have to do if they truly wanted Jericho to get like, you know, MJF or Dan Lambert heat, you got to take the music away from them. 
Yeah, if this is a Chris Jericho I know, we're never going to hear Judas as long as he's a heel. The new thing is influencer, and he's probably going to lean into that. Chris Jericho treats gimmicks like disposable vape pens. When he's done with them, <laughs> they'll get over, and we miss. We all miss the list, right? He threw it aside. I'm going to get something else over. Now we've got Judas. When he wants to be a heel, he'll throw it away. This guy gets the, the other list from WCW in the 90s. This guy gets things over, and when it's time to let go of him, he has no problem throwing that vape pen in the trash can. So I do yeah. not expect to see Judas when he's a heel. Uh, great opinion and great facts with that. That's 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 well well played there, uh, Alfred. Um, yeah. So, uh, but a great question there about the uh, about the music. Um, sorry, we had another super chat here. This was just a nice giving of money. Uh, Drake Hag three a dollar. Uh, Drake, if you if you accidentally submitted it with it and didn't meant to type something, uh, type it again. We'll try to we'll try to pull it up. Um, <laughs> I love that the vape pen. <laughs> Oh, you're good. You, you, <laughs> you, that's why you do this. All right. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, but we'll get into the segment. Uh, backstage, you see the Bucks and Adam Cole. Uh, uh, they attack Rapongi Vice, uh, and then all of a sudden, here comes Switchblade Jay White. He appears backstage, uh, and he he, t- he take you know, gets in on the action real quick and makes a compliment to one of the Bucks earrings and walks off. So, New Japan Pro Wrestling Jay White. Uh, that is the forbidden door here, uh, and as we noted earlier with Tony Khan and his um, his tweet earlier, so uh, forbidden door. Uh, yeah, this one a little bit more down the niche. You have to be, you know, know some of the backstory of the Bucks, and, and they did actually give some context to this later in a, in a backstage with Bucks and Adam Cole. Uh, and basically, the story here is, you know, Jay White's had some. He, you know, he, he was once the rival to Kenny Omega. Uh, this history with the Bucks, and they kind of are setting the story up that. Adam Cole knew Jay White was there, didn't bother to tell the Bucks. Bucks are like, this might cause a problem around here. And Adam Cole's like, oh, no, it'll be fine. So more of the story of Cole and the Bucks, who's trusting who and where, whose alliance is where. Uh, Alfred, what, what was your reaction when you saw uh, Switchblade walk onto the screen? I thought this was great. I thought this was right up the alley of the Forbidden Door. That thought did come to my mind that maybe this is assurances for Tony Khan for technically promising the Forbidden Door, which was the subject of a lot of debate as to what that means. This did qualify for that. I think this really, really helped the next segment with Keith Lee. And let me tell you this. When I saw Jay White from the shoulders, I didn't really bother to look at the logo, which I'm now very familiar with when I saw it. I knew it was Jay White. Initially, I thought that was Kenny Omega. And I don't know if that pop was all for Jay White. I think a lot of people might have popped thinking it was Kenny Omega, uh, just based on the storyline of, you know, we're all waiting for Kenny Omega to return to the Young Bucks. And uh, then I realized that it was Jay White a little uh, later on. So this is a kind of something, again, that AEW's audience who already watched, this is going to be excited. But uh, we're going to need to see more. It, it's big for the wrestling fans in terms of yeah. Jay White debuting. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and then we get into, you said, Isaiah Cassie versus Keith Lee. We kind of already touched on the Keith Lee aspect. Rook, I do want to give a shout. We noticed the fans chanting Baskin his glory. Keith Lee just sends Isaiah Cassidy sailing uh, the opening parts of the match. Uh, Keith Lee gets the win as expected. Post-match, though, Private Party tries to <laughs> tries to attack him. And it ends in a spot where Keith Lee's on the outside. And he catches both members of Private Party and, and power bombs one onto the other one. Uh, it's just an incredible showing of strength. Uh, from Keith Lee. I mean, really, uh, he hit the mark here. Again, we'll just kind of wrap up the Keith Lee point. I uh, hit a home run. Uh, the, 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 the huge pop, the music was a pop. The entrance was a pop. He looked good. He was fired up. Crowd was, again, chanting it you know, for him before he even laid a finger on anybody. Uh, overall, really good. And again, now he's qualified for the for the big match, for the big ladder match in uh, at Revolution in March. So um, Keith Lee, 
Let's keep your eyes on him and see what he yeah, does. Yeah, it's going to be excellent. I, I like that, and I brought up the JR element. I really do like the fact that some of these guys like Heath Lee of this generation, Jim Ross never got to call their matches, and it just sprung up to me because it was so refreshing to see Jim Ross in real time reacting to Keith yeah. Lee for the first time, and I thought it was great. Yeah. It, I wonder, too. I, I don't know. Um, there hasn't been as much documentation about uh, AEW, obviously, there is WWE just because of the time they've been around, but I don't know what level of in the know JR is having with AEW to the point of I don't know if he, you know, we used to always hear when he was with Lawler in the WWE golden days, Lawler wouldn't go to production meetings because Lawler <laughs> wanted to genuinely be surprised with things. He just wanted to react naturally. He felt that was how his best uh, color commentator work would be. JR, of course, was in on the know because he was had the lead the show and he was talent relations and everything else so he had to know everything he doesn't have that responsibility now with AEW, so i'm kind of curious if you know does does tony shivani and excalibur go to production meetings does jr try to stay out and try to just yeah react naturally or uh, i'd be curious to, to know exactly what his um what his workflow is but uh, but but I, I think you're right though there was a, there was an or that was a great organic element was to hear yeah. jim freaking ross just kind of letting his feelings out live and not reading off of any 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 pre-written notes yeah. uh, they might have had all right uh so we get ftr versus cm punk and john moxley john moxley is the partner who comes into play and uh i was i was scouring the internet i saw some different people who i trust who were doing different bits of research and uh supposedly in any anywhere anytime cm punk and john moxley have never tagged ever ever in their career these are two guys that are wow. veterans they've, they've been around they've never ever tagged they've been on opposite sides of the ring uh, we can all remember shield cm punk early on in the house shows punk would beat up on the shield so they've been in the ring together but they've never tagged so i thought that was kind of a cool yeah. a little nugget when i discovered that um this match offered classic tag team match this was classic tag team match you know little little tiny bits of great things uh punk's the hot tag and waiting moxley's getting his ass kicked and i think dax comes around to punk side of the ring Starts fighting him, but basically lures him on the apron out of the corner. So then when Moxley gets to the corner, he doesn't have his partner there to tag. There's just a lot of little things. If you like the art of tag team wrestling, this match is one you need to go out and watch. Or if you haven't seen the great art of tag team wrestling, if you're a younger fan, newer fan, but you've heard people talk about it and you like and you want to know what what is that, what does an old school good tag team match look like, go check this match out. This match really was um a lot of that in terms of, of, of cutoff spots and heat spots and, and whatever, and all, all the terminology, but all the fundamentals were there. Uh, Alfred, th this match really was. I, I thought it had stakes, obviously, because if, if FTR loses, then MJF screwed. It had stakes. Um, ultimately, the good guys hit their finishers in stereo and get the win. Um, but, but again, I can't say enough. This, this might have been my favorite match of the night from a wrestling standpoint. Yeah, this was an excellent match. And what tells you that is – this was this Keith Lee segment was one of those where it's like, may God have mercy on who has to follow this. And I know CM Punk and Monte are big stars went up, but the fact that this match got over to the degree it did right after that segment tells you how great it was. And I thought it was phenomenal in terms of a tag team match. You've got arguably the best tag team in wrestling with FTR against these two great big stars who also understand the psychology of tag team wrestling. And I thought they had a hell of a match. You know that CM Punk's one of these kind of old school, old souls, uh, as are FTR and as is John Moxley. So all four of these guys, I'm sure that that's why the chemistry was right there in terms of the type of match they wanted to have. And I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, really good match. Really good match. Uh, Aaron Mick, $5. If Jericho goes heel, does he start in a new inner circle? Nah, I don't think no. so. I, I yeah, 
the, the, what's done is done. Um, yeah. You don't it's need a complete to... opposite. He'll probably be by himself, and his gimmick will be that he doesn't trust anybody because his best friends betrayed him. So it'll just be a complete departure from what you're seeing right now. I agree. I agree. Uh, Sheet Black, uh, $1.99. What happens if you win the Revolution Tournament? Uh, well, it's, it's not a tournament. It's it's a ladder match. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, if I believe if I'm correct, it's a ladder match. If you win, you get a world title shot. Yes, you get a world title shot. That's what makes me a little nervous about Keith Lee because I do think he should probably be a favorite to win this match. And if he does and they have to turn that around quickly, I don't see him winning that world title anytime soon because they seem to have very specific title plans for uh, it to flip a couple of times, I think, between now and all out. Yeah. Um yeah, so something to keep. Uh, so we'll see what the field looks like, what the uh, <clears throat> other combatants are. Uh, Nightmare Knee, ten dollars. Wow! This episode of Dino Might was fire. Wardler versus Keith Lee dream match. I love Lance Archer, and I hope he gets his flowers one day. Jay White, I felt like I was ten again. Ancient times. All right. So for Nightmare Knee, you know, it's you know this this was a probably a, a this is a favorite of his. So I mean, it, again, it all depends on what it is. Pro wrestling's a buffet. What is it you want out of it? What you know? Are they serving? Is 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 what you like? What's on special today? That's just what it kind of comes down to. Yeah. So, um, all right. Nightmare News having a fun time. He's given given us ten bucks. So, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. It was it was a very good episode. It was again. I'm I'm very interested to see the numbers. Like I said, I, the, the numbers threw me for the MJFC and Punk episode. Yes. So I'm, I'm you know really I, like. And let's be honest. Look, I mean, you know you. You have, I mean, the Olympics are on, so mm-hmm. I mean, I that's, I mean, I know it's been like kind of like a subpar Olympics, and at least here in the U.S., the U.S. isn't doing great, but I mean, the Olympics are still the Olympics. I don't know if that's a thing of competition. Um, it is, and also South Park and Celebrity Big Brother, which is back in season. Big mm-hmm. Brother routinely beats pro wrestling in terms of that viewership. We saw that on when it, they debuted, uh, I think, a couple episodes on Friday during Rampage, and that those were some of the worst drawing rampages of that season. So yeah, there's a lot of new programming in addition to the Olympics, and, and a lot of sports getting into their kind of playoff seasons. Yeah, uh, and the uh, chat room's uh, helping me out. Sorry about that. Thank you. Uh, the chat room is saying it's a TNT title shot, so not a world title shot. So TNT title shot if you win the ladder match at Revolution. Oh, okay. Well, okay. If it's a TNT title shot, then I, I could see Keith Lee winning that. Yeah, but for- uh, it all depends on who wins this Revolution ladder match. I, I forgot that too, so don't feel bad. So thank you to the chat room. Yeah. It, you know, it, it really is funny. The the, the live, ch- you know, but like between Issa keeping tabs of the Tony Khan tweet, and the, it's it's like we have like a host of live producers that are just here helping <laughs> throw got quick- correspondence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> somebody's sitting on Twitter. Somebody's on Instagram. Everybody's just watching the field for us <laughs> as we're out here. Because like, folks, let me tell you this: doing this stuff live, like I mean, I did years. You know, and Alfred and I did years together on on um, on on. I guess we, it doesn't matter. Raj doesn't care. We did years together on Bleach Report. I did years, you know, of Chair Shot Rally, and all those things were, you know, you, you filmed them in studio or on green screen, and they got edited and they got put out. You know, you, you had time to correct yourself. Doing these things live, I mean, it is literally it is it is like being it is like being in the deep end for the first time, and you don't have uh when you don't have the life jacket on. I mean, because you're just kind of you just roll with it, and so as things are happening, to have you guys be able to throw. Um, you know, throw throw some nuggets in for us. It is a help. So thank and, you. And we've had the real life version of this happen. If you remember, after WrestleMania 29, we had that live remote, and it was just supposed to be us. But all those fans started gathering all around us, and there was this guy in like a lucha mask standing right next to me. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, quick. Yeah, all right. So quickly, sidebar story time with uh, with Big Nasty and Labar, baby. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 2013. 13. 
WrestleMania 29 at MetLife. Right. Alpha and I were with Bleach Report. And yeah, we're supposed to do like this thing outside of the arena, outside of the stadium after Mania. Kind of, you know, think of like college game day. It's supposed to be outside, you know, you know, whatever. Fans are there. And we do it. And yeah, it's just, you know, just flying in the seat of your pants. You got fans all around you. And then it's it's cold out. It's New York and 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 March or April. Oh my God. That, that, and then I don't know about you. I don't remember because you and I split after that. Yeah. It was forever to get out of that damn parking lot. Yes. It was the worst. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. My God. WrestleMania and MetLife. They need to figure that out because it happened the next time they went there too. The next time they went to the MetLife, I got the hotel with the WWE produ- with the crew that oh. was within walking distance because I was not I was not going back to Manhattan again. Very smart. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nightmare knee five dollars. Labarbarian and Applebee's. Alfred. Hey, <laughs> my guy. It's my guy right there. <laughs> Apple piece, Alfred. It's alliterative too. I need a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have the Applebee's song now. Yeah, <laughs> eating good in the neighborhood, everybody. <laughs> oh my God. All right, keeping it going. Uh, now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna start randomly texting you that Applebee's. Oh, Alfred. You should. <laughs> All right. Um. No, open oh, up wrong one. Hang on. So here we go. Uh, Killer Styles, are you guys? At, no, uh, we're not. Uh, Alfred is doing wonderful stuff for Forbes, uh, so you can read him on Forbes.com. I'm happy here with Wrestling Inc. and busted yeah. open on Sirius XM. So we've crossed the forbidden door. Shout out to Bleach Report for bringing us, bringing us together. Very formative time, but yes, we yeah. both, uh, we've evolved. I have no ill will against Bleach Report. No, not fun at time. all. Time. Really fun time. All right, uh, up next, Jay Cargo. So she is undefeated. She is your TBS champion. She goes up against a new new uh, talent here, AQA. Uh, this young lady, they give a little bit of a quick background to, a little video package, and she was trained by the Hall of Famer Booker T. So immediately you got some credibility to give to her that she's uh, a student of his. And uh, I'm not complaining, I don't think, Alfred, but AQ, th- 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 I mean, AQA, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I gave her like a little video package and, 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 and noted who she's trained by, so like they're not going to have her just get squashed. I mean, damn it! She hits a shooting star press that almost blew the roof off the place. Almost beat Jade. I mean, it was a really good false, and then she goes up again to hit the second time. And this is where it gets awkward. She's up there, and then it's like she doesn't have her balance or not sure. Of course, gives time for Jade to get up. Jade then cuts her off, and we eventually go to the finish where Jade hits her jaded finisher and wins. Jade's twenty-seven and zero as the Undertaker light graphic would show. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like we we both like Jade. We know this. Uh, we like Jade. Yeah, she's she's still young, uh, borderline green, but she's just she's just such a, a figure. Like I'm I'm happy for her, but I, I don't understand this. I don't understand this match. I don't know what am I supposed to take away that like here's this young spunky AQA who like Jade had to like really work to beat. Is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to tell me that AQA is going to be on Dynamite a lot coming soon? Because like she just took Jade to a little bit of a limit here. Like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to get out of this match here. Jade undefeated still, but I did not expect the booking of this match to go the way it did. Yeah, this functionally felt like a tryout from AQA, and she was Zeta at Ramirez in NXT. And I thought again, I get frustrated whenever they book Jade Cargill in matches like this because it's not even about the physical ability that's going to come and her wrestling gets better every time i see her so that's not a concern of mine it's just the mystique if we're doing the 27 and 0 
which is a callback to Goldberg. We need Goldberg. We need her to be dominant and to crush somebody like AQA. I'm glad they gave her a video package and told us who she is. Just because you do that doesn't mean they then have to go a long way. It does help, uh, but that's not the goal here. In a segment with Jade Cargill, you want to make her into your star. You want to double down on the resources you put into Jade Cargill because it is working in terms of garnering eyeballs and interest for her quarter hours. So I just didn't like how close AQA came to beating her. But again, they this place, this they wanted this to be the popcorn match it looked like just based on these two bangers between Keith Lee and the, the Ambrose match but these two women worked to where people were really into it like you said it's just that second shooting star attempt really took the air out of the sails of this match and it got completely derailed after that I felt uh, but you can't overthink this thing with Jade Cargill I, I just think she needs to be more dominant yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how long she goes uh, to remain undefeated. Well, this was not really the popcorn match. They, they, I think the next one's kind of what they want as a popcorn, but I have a soft spot for it because it's a former chair shot reality colleague and Justin LaBar client of mine, Serena Deeb, up against a Katie Arquette. Katie Arquette, you can see her uh, here in Pittsburgh at IWC Wrestling. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Uh, she, of course, has been anointed and, and awarded uh, all the Arquette glory from mr david arquette that's a true story um so serena deep up against katie arquette a five minute challenge kind of happening here uh serena deep is going to get a pretty easy win on katie but uh, uh good to see serena deep out there she's looking great she's a great addition both in front of the camera and behind the camera for the women's division and of course like i said i have a soft spot for my uh my my, my, my friend's katie arquette so great to see her out there on AEW. but th- i mean this but by definition this was kind of the popcorn it's very quick it was the in between of the last match uh, with Jade and, and then the main event that's going to follow it. But um, yeah. yeah, Serena Deeb. I mean, she's, she's, I, again, I can't say enough. Serena Deeb is such, even if she only wrestles on camera for, uh, you know, another year or something, she is one they have to retain. She is perfect candidate to have as a woman's producer behind the scenes to help, you know, organize and book the women's division. Yeah, I love this character. It's very Timothy Thatcher-esque in terms of being the professor who's going to bully around the rookies. And it works, especially with somebody like Serena Deeb. Only certain types of wrestler can pull this off. And she's definitely that type, somebody who's been in the business for a long time, somebody who's respected by their peers, the woman of a thousand holds, a very good wrestler. And I think she should do this every week. It's a really good way to get over as a heel. And then if they find a rookie, an up-and-coming name, to pull that Barry Horowitz-type upset, I think that could be something that could make her into a star. Uh, yeah, and, and real quick, cheap plug back to Katie. If you want to follow her on Twitter at the, and then it's just the letters K T, so the, and then K T, and then Arquette. So go follow her. Uh, uh, tell her I sent you. Give her a shout out. Give her a like. Do all the good things. Wonderful girl. Um, all right. So now we go into the main event: Texas Death Match for the AEW World Title. Uh, champion Hangman Adam Page up against challenger Lance Archer. This one music hits. This one starts in the back, and I kind of like this little touch. You know, Lance Archer attacks uh, Page in the uh, in, in the backstage go position. Uh, so this fight's in the back. They're now fighting the stage. It looked like they had some kind of like glass uh, whatever for Archer to make an entrance through. Well, a little reverse psychology. It's not there for him to make an entrance through. It's for him to get tossed back through. Page throws him through this glass pane. Now Archer's immediately got blood, so we got blood as we just start from Archer. Um, you know, this has got all the tricks of the trade. This has got trash can lids and everything else. Dan Lambert and Jake the Snake come out at one point. Dan Lambert uh, undoes the entire top rope. Psychology here is now Hangman doesn't have a top rope to do the, the buckshot lariat, so that's kind of cool. They're fighting in the crowd. Uh, tons of blood. There's forks being penetrated into the open wombs. Corey, uh, self-mutilation. Let's call uh, it what it is, Justin. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's all that's going on. Um, Black hits his black, or excuse me, Archer hits his black slam, uh, basically from the apron, tosses Page onto the side of the steps. That looked brutal. Uh, switch pages here. Uh, da, 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 da. Here we go. Uh, continues on. We got barbed wire chair. We got a barbed wire forearm from Hangman Adam Page. Uh, the ref goes to these. The ref is bent over 90 degrees to pick up some of the barbed wire, and Page uses the ref to basically flip over. So he uses the ref as a substitution for the top rope, and then proceeds to do that lariat onto Archer, and they go through two tables that are set up outside. And this is going to result in a 10 count. Page gets back in, and the nick a nine. So and he wins. Archer does not get up. So Page retains the title via countout. Both men just bloody, bloody, bloody messes. Um, this was this was hardcore. Uh, Page retains. No surprise there. I don't think anybody expected Archer to take this um, from Page. Uh, what did you make of this? And what did you make of the rare use of a countout uh, by AEW for the finish? I thought, well, in Texas Deathmatch, so it was just the 10 count was always going to be a type of finish uh, in terms of how they were going to yeah. go about that. But as a wrestling fan, I thought this was a good match. I thought they did a good job with the violence and whatnot, but now we're going to have more data to analyze in terms of how this does with women because I fully expect for this quarter hour, you know, women to tune out in masses uh, because this has happened in the past, including the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match. It's a, bi a big moment for women in terms of arguably being one of the most famous matches that AEW's ever put on, but did not do it well with women. Same thing with Nick Gage. Same thing with this. I'll be very curious to see how that number uh, figures into it. A lot of blood and guts and a lot of these people who are trying to use that to detract AEW. It's more ammo for them. So we'll see in the grand scheme of things how that plays out, but... In terms of the art, in terms of the wrestling, I love the storytelling. I love the cutting off of the rope. I love him using the referee in terms of leverage to use the uh, uh, buckshot lariat through the table. I, I liked it. I, I like this match. Yeah, and you're and you're right about the the death match, the Texas death match rule with the, the standing ten count. I and I, I'm glad you said that because I'm now I'm starting to think back. Did they? And maybe I missed them. I very might very well might have because I'm taking notes and multitasking. Did they? Did the commentators did they remind us that that's the case that you, it's this because I there was no other time that I could think of in the match where they really implemented the ten count. That's a Again, good question. I don't maybe, think they ever did. Like like you know there wasn't like I guess falsy ten counts is what I'll say. Like that mm -hmm. that was the only one that I could really recall. So that's that's my only thing is I you're totally right. That's 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 a traditional Texas deathmatch rule. To me, I was just kind of taking it as like well it's a count out <laughs> essentially. Right. But you're right, and under Texas deathmatch, that's traditionally how it's done. So any which way though. Um, uh, Page still the champion. And then real quick after that, Adam Cole walks out. He had said earlier that he has some some business to take care of. He is the number one. He's the number one rank. So by the rankings, he's the number one contender. He comes out and uh, he grabs the title from the ref and uh, he then puts it on Page. Kind of a babyface move. Kind of says, you know, add a boy. You're still champion, but I got my eye on you. So uh, Adam Adam Cole. This obviously has to be the next big pay per view match for Hangman Page, and I'll be. Interested to see how this one plays out because Cole, again, very much being positioned as a babyface based upon his actions tonight, based upon he's not probably quite uh, jiving with the Bucks as, as the Bucks think he is. Uh, so a baby versus baby world title match could be on our horizon here for AEW. And if the worlds collide the way I think they should, we're going to see the advancement of not only Adam Cole and Hangman Adam Page, but also Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, which I think those storylines are going to intersect. I really do think eventually down the line 
Uh, Heyman on, on page is going to join the Young Bucks, who seconded him to see him win. Now Adam Cole is going to bring the Young Bucks back around Heyman Adam Page, and I think that's going to play into the finish in maybe the Young Bucks favoring Hangman Adam Page over Adam Cole, and that's going to contribute to Adam Cole, Jay White, and the Undisputed Era going against the elite, fully reformed and reunited. For sure, for sure. Uh, I saw some chat. Uh, yeah, I did actually skip over it. I apologize. Uh, we did get a brief Penta uh, vignette, uh, him in a graveyard, and it seems like uh, Penta is going to be taking on an evil side of himself after what he's dealing with with him uh, with uh, the House of Black, so uh, we'll give a shout-out to Penta. I was sorry, I was a a jam-packed show so it was a yeah. lot to get into so i did i did uh skip over that but i'll give it a give it a nod that that's something that got coming down the pipe uh, uh with with their storylines and characters uh again huge night i mean this i mean this is a I, I'm, I'm turning pages here this is a lot of stuff that <laughs> happened tonight um so you know big show for dynamite uh, uh again a lot of it's just now i want to see what's next i want to see what does keith lee do next what's adam cole's next promo when is MJF's rematch now against Paul? You know, like the now, I mean, so it's good. It's all questions of yes. when, 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 when do I get it? So I'm all good with that. Yeah, that's what you want. That's the fact that we're asking when and not why and trying to figure it out ourselves. You know, when is a very good indication that they're putting you on the path to continue to be invested. You know, that's the, the old school Saturday morning wrestling. They go off the air with a cliffhanger so that you had to come back next week to see what happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when? Well, we know when we'll be back. Alfred and I'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, I'm actually going to be in wrestling tomorrow night. Apparently, I'm doing this. Raj has me doing this new thing. We have a new Thursday night deal, I guess, where it's like wrestling and just a catch-all of just sports and pop culture, whatever. I don't know. I'm doing that thing. It's at 9 o'clock, so come back tomorrow. I'll be on here tomorrow. Uh, So we'll do all that fun stuff. Uh, Friday, I'm on Busted Open, as always, with Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca, 10 o'clock. Back next Monday for Raw. Back with Alfred Wednesday. Alfred, what's going on in Forbes? Uh, I've got some coverage of Keith Lee, coverage of AEW Dynamite. Check that out right now on Forbes, just freshly published. Also just did a bit, YouTube Pro Wrestling bit about WWE and uh, earnings going over a billion. Really big story in the world of wrestling. Yeah, how about that? You're, you're the Forbes guy. Record revenue ever. They, they, they mean, I think I think, I think, think previously they'd been at like $986 million, but yes. they topped the billion mark. Uh, and then even, I think, net profit. I mean, that's the revenue. But then when you talk about you know, revenue versus expenses, profit. I think it's still record profit, right? Yes, record profit and record uh, revenue. And it was headed toward this because it's an escalating deal. So if you follow the tea leaves, they were really going to go over a billion around this time. And they definitely did. So it's a really landmark moment. And it really helped their stock price. Uh, went up a couple of dollars after that happened. And it had been sluggish, their stock price, hovering over about $50. So it's looking good. And it's looking like, it's not looking like, they are guaranteed to get a massive deal if they are to lease the TV rights, if not sell the company. So they're going to get a lot of money. Just for any of you AEW enthusiasts who are convinced that WWE is going to be going out of business soon because <laughs> the they're creative might not be great, Mm-mm. but they're raking in cash. It's so. the best business they've ever had. I mean, and, and, and you know, a lot of that is very controversial, whether it's yeah. the releases or Saudi or not. This is the best business WWE has ever had. They're lights out business-wise. They have to be selling. I, I, I mean, we just, I know we've talked about that. They have. There's no other way around this. Well, I mean, yeah. there's no other way. I mean, you, you, again, and I look at NBC. NBC is paying how much for Raw? How much for Peacock? Well, just, just, just buy the whole damn thing. You're, you're already there. You're already, you're already like three fourths of the way there. Just do it. Yeah, NBC could come in, Disney can come in. They could get, okay, the idea that they might be sold and they're definitely set up, that could be another negotiating ploy where, 
they'll get a better TV deal because somebody is going to pay for a premium knowing that they have to come correct if they're going to get sold somewhere else. So we could see another TV lease or a Paramount Plus, I think, would overpay for them. Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, I think, would overpay for them in terms of the Disney family. But uh, it does look like they're setting up for a sale. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, well, I always trust you with that stuff. There's a reason you work for Forbes, you crunch numbers. I know you do. So, a lot of stuff. Uh, check out all of Alfred's stuff on Forbes.com. Great stuff. Uh, again, comment, like, subscribe. Always do this uh, last call to action. Tweet me. How are you consuming the podcast? How are you watching? How are you listening? What's the deal? What are we doing? I love it. I, again, commuting and school, cleaning the house, whatever. Always love to hear how this podcast is working for you. Big thanks to all of you. Big thanks to the Super Chats. Big thanks to Manscaped. Big thanks to Alfred. I'm Justin. I'll see you tomorrow night here on Wrestling Inc. Be safe. Be good.